Love Talk Radio. Welcome to the Pond Hunter Broadcast from the Under the Sea Radio Show on Blog Talk Radio. The Pond Hunter, in the pursuit of all things aquatic. Take a look into the world of koi ponds, water gardens, and the lifestyles of the aquatically obsessed. Meet the pros, hobbyists, and cover some no-nonsense pond advice straight from the field. The Pond Hunter, in the pursuit of all things aquatic. Here's your host, koi pond and water garden expert, Mike Gannon. Hola, 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 escuchadores. Hey, everybody. What's going on? How are you? How you feeling? Feeling good, I hope. All right, all right, all right. Hey, everybody. Welcome. Welcome to the Pond Hunter Radio Broadcast, episode 38. And you guys have all picked a great episode to tune into because by the end of this podcast, we're all going to be rich. You will know if those koi swirling around in your pond are worth lots and lots and lots of money or not, and whether you're going to be cashing in those koi or not. Whichever the case, I'm glad you guys tuned in. I'm Mike Gannon. I'm your host here on the Pond Hunter Radio Broadcast, and I am glad to spend a little bit of time with you here in the pursuit of all things aquatic, doing my part to feed your aquatic obsession. So welcome to the broadcast. In this episode, we're going to be talking about how much your koi are worth. We'll talk about some of the factors that make up a koi that that you can cash out, send your kids through college with. Or we'll find out if they are just another fish in the barrel. Every year, many times per year, I'm I'm confronted with the question of how much a koi or a collection of koi is worth. And I say confronted because at times it feels like a confrontation. Every year, I kind of end up dashing someone's dreams, sometimes offending them, offending, insulting them, or otherwise pissing people off because of the answer that they typically get when they ask me how much the koi are worth. When I meet with some people to discuss the value of the koi, I can see the dollar signs in their eyes. And of course, anybody who keeps koi knows a koi are worth hundreds and hundreds and perhaps thousands of dollars each. That's not always the case, of course. And I take no pleasure in bursting their bubble of wealth that their fish may bring to them. I actually feel kind of bad being the person that has to hand them the disappointing news that the koi really are not worth all that much. Sometimes not worth anything. You know, I don't like saying that to people. I wish I could always give them good news. It's hard telling somebody that the koi collection they inherited with their new home is not going to pay for their kid's college. They're not going to cash out on the koi. And if they're looking to get rid of koi, it may actually cost them money to find a new home for them. Koi are not valuable simply based upon the merit of being a koi and your koi are not worth what you paid for them. They could be higher, but they're probably less. I recently went to look at a collection. Um, There was a guy who contacted me about his koi. He wanted me to buy his collection and he told me that he had eight koi. He needed to get rid of his pond for whatever reason. 
And I always have people looking for koi. So I told them I'd come by and take a look. And I went to the guy's house. It was a townhouse with a little, like tiny little prefabricated pond in his backyard, like one of those Home Depot shells. Maybe the pond was 400 gallons. And he actually had seven koi and a shabunkin (laughs) um, jam-packed into this, this little pond, this little housing. All the koi were a decent size. They were between 12 to 15 inches, so they weren't exactly small. The shabunkin was probably about five inch, somewhere around there. And I'm looking at this, and two of his koi had kinked tails. None of his koi, none of them were particularly stunning. Um, Three of his koi had some merit. The rest were very dark, mutt koi. No particular variety. Um, But all the same, they were koi. I wasn't really impressed um, all truth be told and, and had already gotten the vibe from, from this guy, uh, that he was going to be greatly disappointed in anything that I could offer. So, um, I honestly really wasn't even interested in buying them. So I, I let him go first. I asked him how much he wanted for his koi. And he started by pointing out his kind of nondescript dark Brown, um, butterfly variety koi which he felt was the most valuable koi in his collection and said that he would like to get 300 for the fish, 300 bucks. And then he wanted $200 per fish for the rest of them. Shabunkin included. He still kind of thought it was a koi. Um, Anyway, it was bottom line. It was, if I took the whole collection, he was looking to get 1500 bucks for the whole lot. And then I would have the honor of draining his pond, catching them bagging them, relocating them once I put all that cash into his hands. So I told him I couldn't do that and told him very politely, uh, you know, basically that it was just too much for me. And he wanted me to make an offer. So I did. I offered him 300 bucks for all of them. And yes, I will drain his pond. I will catch and bag all the fish. I'll transport them to new homes. And the guy got very quiet and just kind of stared at his pond. And he wouldn't look at me again (laughs) and said he would have to think about it. And I said, great, give me a call. Kind of knowing that I would not be back for these fish. So he was disappointed. He was disappointed enough to go onto social media and start trashing me and trying to, for trying to rip him off and made up all sorts of other fun stuff also that never happened. So now that could be the extreme of a reaction. But those are the reactions that I kind of get from time to time when someone finds out that their fish are not made of gold. Not my fault. Not that I sold them the fish. And not that I was after them to take their fish. They ask me a question, I answer. Um, But yeah, I definitely have had many people kind of upset, disappointed with me after I give them the amount of how much the koi are most likely worth. And I wish I could tell everybody that the fish are going to make them rich. But when the guy tells me that he bought a koi from PetSmart for 20 bucks, and now that he has it home for PetSmart, it's worth hundreds of dollars because it's a koi. I kind of feel compelled to let them know the truth that the koi is probably really worth about $5 if he bought it for $20. Another quickie, I I had also really recently, I had a a realtor, kind of a very uppity realtor, um, 
she had a house that she was trying to sell. The house had a koi pond, and she believed that the koi were worth at least 3000 bucks each because someone had told her that koi are worth a lot of money. So she also was pretty pissed at me. Um, I don't know why they weren't, they weren't her fish. Maybe she had some sort of deal going or anything. But when I told her that not only are most of the koi actually goldfish, which she di- disagreed with me on, um, and insisted that they're koi, but the ones that are koi were just mongrels. They, they really weren't worth anything, you know, unless she wanted to catch them and try to sell them one by one on a fish by fish basis, then maybe she could get um, some money for them. Not to mention it was a 15,000 gallon pond somewhere in that neighborhood. On that particular assessment, I'll tell you, I actually did enjoy telling her her koi weren't worth anything because <laughs> she was she was kind of an ass. But the truth is that most people who call me asking how much the koi are worth are going to get kind of a disappointing answer. The koi are really not worth um, an awful lot, so, sometimes not anything. If you don't know how much they're worth, they probably are not high-end valuable koi. You know, if you don't know how much your koi are worth, there's a good chance that they're probably not high-end valuable koi. People who have valuable koi know that they have valuable koi, and they usually can back it up with paperwork and the reasons that their koi have value. So how much are koi worth and why? What is the criteria for knowing how much a koi is worth? What makes one koi worth 100 bucks? And another wor- koi worth ten thousand, twenty thousand, or two point two million dollars. The most expensive fish ever sold was a koi, of the Kohaku variety, bought by an American for two point two millones. It's a lot of dinero. You know, so how come your koi isn't worth half half of that? I mean, what the hell? Shouldn't your Kohaku be at least half of that? No. And how much should you be paying for a koi? Was that $2.2 million koi worth it? So let's look at some of the criteria that um, we can go over about the value of a koi. Uh, Actually, you know what? Before the criteria, all of us also need to take into consideration anybody buying koi. There's some variables that play into the price tag of a koi that are hidden. When you walk into a koi dealer, garden center, or or pet shop for koi, the price you see also reflects some things that have nothing to do with the koi. Any koi retailer, dealer, has overhead that they got to cover, and they're covering that overhead in the sale of that koi as well. That price tag is going to reflect what it costs the dealer to bring you that koi. The shipping charges... Livestock loss, shrinkage, food, and housing while the koi is in their care, the rent and insurance and employees, the the overhead, all the expenses of being able to offer you a place to come and purchase koi. That has to go into the pricing of every fish that's sold. If vendor A has X amount of overhead to cover and vendor B has 2X overhead to cover and they both buy the same koi, for the same price and then offer it for sale, the fish from vendor B is going to be more expensive because vendor B has a higher overhead. 
same fish. They bought it for the same price, each vendor, but vendor B has higher overhead. His fish are going to be more expensive. Selling koi is also a high-risk business as well. There's losses involved with fish. They die. It's livestock. And those dealers are going to they're, – they're going out on a limb to bring you some extremely exotic animals, animals that don't occur in nature. And as a former dealer of all types of fish, including koi, I know how risky it is. So I see both sides of it. And I know how easy it is to lose your shirt selling livestock. So is that $20 koi from PetSmart, which has a 3,000 square foot warehouse facility, marketing campaigns, advertising, TV commercials, you name it. They have all this stuff going on. Is that $20 koi really worth 20 bucks? You be the judge. It is to PetSmart. That's why they got to sell it for 20 bucks. When you walk out the front door of that store, is the koi still worth 20 bucks? No. And I guarantee it did not just go up in value either. Right? So those, that's some things that we all need to remember when we're looking at how much a koi is worth, the, the price tag of a koi. So with that said, let's talk about some of the considerations and criteria that determine how much your koi is worth. There are some really easy to point to things that give a framework of how to determine the value of a koi. How much are your koi worth? Let's evaluate it. Let's start with the more obvious stuff, like the condition of the koi. For the sake of this podcast, let's just assume that we are talking about koi that are in good shape. They're not sick or deformed. They don't have torn fins, bulgy eyes, red streaks, cut sores, ulcers, injuries. Let's just assume that we're talking about koi that as far as their overall condition are in good shape and good health. Okay. So condition of course is going to be a factor. If you're going in and you're seeing koi that are beat up with red streaks and stressed out and dead fish floating in the tank, that's not what I'm referring to. I'm talking about good condition koi. Okay, so condition is, is extremely important. Um, and, of course, size. Size matters. Probably one of the more obvious and easy-to-determine criteria is the size of the koi. It's not always the most important factor, but size matters. The larger a koi is, the higher the value would be, generally speaking. You can even have a not-so-great-looking koi that is huge. And the hugeness, huge, adds to the value. It could even be the only factor that contributes to its value. It could be an ugly koi, but huge, and people will pay for huge koi because huge koi are fun to have, right? Size is going to go into it. Small koi will be a lesser value because, well, they're, they're small. SM all, man. They're small. Small koi can change over time also. So what you see in coloration and patterns may not be what you ultimately are going to end up with. So there's unknowns with small koi that suppress value. While in larger koi, what they look like at 20 inches is probably what they will look like moving into the future with good care. Their coloration and pattern are likely fixed and stable at this point. That stability adds to the overall value of the koi. Small fish can completely change their patterns and coloration. So size is a big part of the criteria. 
it affects value without a doubt. Probably the next most important would be types and varieties. Of course, the type and variety of koi is going to greatly affect how much your koi is worth. The types we consider, um, to keep it simple, would be straight fin and long fin, or butterfly koi, or dragon koi, whatever strikes you fancy. A straight fin type koi is, is a classic. Um, it's always going to command a higher price than a butterfly type of koi. Well, don't longer fins mean more exotic, so more money? Technically, isn't there more koi? They have more fins. You know, it would be nice if we could measure the value by the square inch, the surface area of the koi, but it just don't work that way. So butterfly are the new kids on the block in the koi world. From what I understand, not even a Japanese creation, but they came from an Indonesian strain of river carp that had longer fins than other carp. And the Japanese kichi are not likely to give this type of koi much credence. So straight fin, they're the classic koi, firmly rooted in Japanese tradition and history. If you have a 15-inch straight fin sanke, it will be more valuable than the 15-inch butterfly sanke. So keep that in mind. In the world of koi experts and competition judges, and I don't consider myself an expert, by the way, um, in the world of koi experts and competition judges, the butterfly koi is almost not even considered a true koi by some, although that belief is softening. And in many koi shows and competitions outside of Japan, there are now categories for butterfly koi, but they will likely never be as valuable as straight fin and never judged in Japanese koi shows. The epicenter of koi, not in our lifetime, at least. Yep. Not in our lifetime. Um, so those are some different types and, but the variety matters as well, right? The Gosanke are still the most valuable varieties. Gosanke being Showa, Sanke, and Kohaku. Of course, they will bring a higher value than, let's say, a Chagoy or Kumanru or Ginrin or Ogon. Um, once you get past the Gosanke hurdle of value, um, where they kind of set the bar of values. The other varieties are pretty even, I would say, in the ranking of value. <clears throat> what I mean by that? Well, a, a Ginrin is not more valuable than a Doitsu because of their variety, or Utsuri, or Beko, or Kujaku, based on the merit of their variety. So we're not there yet. Um, however, a Kohaku, Showa, Sanke is going to have more value than the Doitsu Utsuri Beko, right? Right. Okay. So type and variety is a big factor. Big, big is also the grading of the koi. Okay. There are many different grades. Koi are sold different than any other fish on the planet for the most part. Because they're sold by grades. Koi is not a koi. There's not a koi. They have grades of koi, and, and they're determined through the culling process. Culling starts very, very early. 
in the process when we're talking about professional breeders, especially those who are trying to put out world-class koi. Every koi born is not going to be world-class. The fact is that the vast majority of koi born on this planet are worth nothing. If you were going to grade them, they'd be grade zero. They're so worthless that the breeders will cull a hatch of several hundred thousand baby koi down to just a few hundred that actually go to market. Think about that. Several hundred thousand baby koi are part of a hatch. The only amount that go to market are a few hundred. And that's just a small fraction of a single spawn. And of those few hundred that make it to market, maybe a handful of koi will be show quality. And maybe, maybe one of those might actually bring home a ribbon from a show, if any of them ever even make it to a show. The odds of being a professional athlete, movie star, or rock star are better than becoming a graded show quality koi. That's a fact, Jack. (laughs) Um, Grading is really highly subjective. And when grading is assigned, I think it is a good question when you are purchasing a koi as to whom did the grading. Who says it's a grade A koi? Who decided that a particular koi is a particular grade? Who did that? Who said that? Right? Because they're controlling how much you're spending. You, you should know. Every breeder, every serious dealer will offer some sort of grading on their livestock. And not every breeder is necessarily producing high-quality koi. There are absolutely breeders out there that are going for quantity, not quality. Remember, koi come from all over the world. So there are definitely places that breed grade C koi. That's all they produce. On their best day, they're producing grade C koi. But then when they bring their grade C koi to market, they will apply a grading system to their fish. So overall, it's a grade C koi. But when they sell them, their grade C koi is now going to be graded by them. So they will choose grade A, grade B, grade C from their stock. Does that make sense? Am I making sense? That's why I say it's subjective. So all these fish are born grade C. They take those grade C koi and say, okay, of these, this is our grade A of the grade C. This is our grade B of the grade C. Okay. I'm probably making it more confusing. But anyway, I think you guys get it. A retail center. Let's say a retail center or a garden center buys some koi. And they decide that of the 100 fish that they purchased, they will now grade them on site. So the garden center buys 100, let's just say it again, grade C koi. And then of that 100, they're going to divide them up into their own vats. Maybe... 30 need to go into the grade A vat, 30 into the grade B vat, and 30 go into the grade C vat, and 10 go into the uh, premium vat, right? See why I say it's subjective? You got to know who's grading your koi. Even the wording of the grades of koi changes from vendor to vendor, dealer to dealer. 
If I was to try and simplify the grading, I'd say that there would typically be four grades available from the typical serious vendor. I'm talking about PetSmart. Grade A, grade B, grade C, and show quality. But those four grades can be described in so many different ways. Show quality is typically just show quality. You can't really dilute that. You shouldn't really dilute that. Which, by the way, very few vendors will ever actually have show quality koi because they're kind of expensive fish to just have in stock, hoping somebody's going to buy it. So show quality would be reserved, in my opinion, for the higher-end dealers. If you want show quality, you got to know who you're dealing with, and you should seek out the higher-end dealers. There's some great people out there selling great koi like the guys who are going to Japan or international koi shows to buy their fish for resale. Those are the kind of guys who you may want to talk to about getting into show quality level of koi. If you walk into PetSmart and see show quality koi being offered or premium koi being offered, you have my permission. It's all just for marketing. All their koi are grade C at best. Let's just face it. All right. I'm going to stop banging up and beating up in the box stores for selling koi. <laughs> so show quality is show quality. Um, the other grades can have various wordings. <clears throat> There's, you know, just a good old grade A, grade B, grade C. But grade A may also be called premium grade, choice, select grade, elite grade, or even import quality, whatever that means. Just because something's imported doesn't mean it's quality. So I think that's a funny term. Grade B can also be called standard grade or decorative grade. And grade C may just be called pond grade or common grade, right? You'll never see low grade. <laughs> like, would you go and buy low grade koi? Um, you'll never see that. So in order, order to purchase a koi that is truly graded how it should be, it's really important to know where they come from. Um, like, what are their bloodlines? Especially if you're looking for quality koi. Uh, bloodlines matter in the world of koi. Who's selling the koi? And where they came from plays a very big role in how much a koi is worth. Some fish come from PetSmart. There I, I'm back on PetSmart. Some fish come from PetSmart, and some koi come from established bloodlines that are certified by experts, right? Dainichi, for example, a very famous bloodline for koi. Dainichi will obviously hold and demand a higher value than a PetSmart fish, right? Makes sense. So who is selling them matters. Who is selling the koi plays into the value of the koi. I use Dainichi and PetSmart as the two extremes of the spectrum. Dainichi, super high end, PetSmart, the other end, right? So buying from Dainichi would be one of the best ways to buy a, a high quality koi. Buying from PetSmart would be one of the worst. And in between those two bookends, there are many ways that koi are sold. And by many people. I don't mean to pick on the big box pet centers that sell koi, but I really do not recommend buying from those type of vendors. Um, in my opinion, it's pretty much the worst way to buy koi, right? Especially when there's koi experts from coast to coast and around the world. Do a little homework. Google that shit. 
GTS it. GTS it. You may find that you have an expert really close by. You'd be surprised where you can find some amazing koi experts. And if you really have no local access, many of these vendors will happily speak with you and spend time with you via phone or internet. A lot of them have photos of the koi that you'll be purchasing on their websites, on Instagram, on Facebook, and they even ship their koi right to your front door. If you're buying from pet this or pet that, um, don't kid yourself into thinking you got a great koi. You're most likely buying the cull of the cull, not the creme de la creme. So who you are buying from is really a big part of how much your koi are worth. There is value there in so many ways because of how the koi are treated, how they're kept, how they're fed, how they're handled. The certified bloodline will be a more valuable koi than a koi without papers. In the business, you know, we call those KWAPs, koi without papers. Yeah, KWAPs. So bloodline matters. That's who they come from. But where they come from matters too. Are they domestic? Are they import? Import, you say? Okay. Well, from where? What does import mean? Japan? Or are they from the Philippines? Or Israel? Germany? Costa Rica? Panama? South Africa? Poland? Are they from Malaysia? Call your bread all over the place, all over the world. Places like Malaysia, they're incredibly popular. The Philippines, incredibly popular. Koi keeping is, is blasting off in some of these countries where it's growing in, you know, uh, slow measured increments in other countries. And some of their, of where they're bred and they're bred all over the place, this can affect their quality and pricing. Some of their pricing may be made up from the shipping fees, just like, um, you know, the retailers have their overhead worked into it. Shipping fees, if you're getting imports, you're paying for that. You're paying for the shipping. It can get expensive flying koi around the world to end up in your pond. Eight pounds per gallon of water. Think about it. That's a lot of freight that the price of a koi will reflect. Water's heavy, man. And most shipping fees are really for the water, not so much the weight of the koi, right? Um, Of course, imported koi are going to cost a bit more. What about domestic? Okay, so then let's get into domestic. From a breeder, I'm talking about. When I say domestic, I don't mean from your neighbor's backyard pond. And, hey, you know, your neighbor might be breeding some really nice stuff. Who knows? But typically not. Do you have a koi farm near you? If so, it could be well worth your while. And you get the best value if you can buy your koi directly from a koi farm or a koi breeder, not to mention how much fun it is to go to a koi farm and kind of check out their facilities and see what's going on there. You meet some great people. So if you have um, access, it's taking an afternoon and enjoying it, picking out some koi that way. Great way to buy koi. And don't underestimate domestic koi. You know, um, import, like I said, doesn't always mean you're getting a great fish. The U.S. domestic koi is what I'm referring to. Um, there are some really great koi being produced in the U.S. And of course, I mean, they're, they're coming from Japanese stock, but they're domestic koi. So don't dem- discount domestic koi at all. There's super high quality ones, uh, award-winning, show-winning koi, champion koi, grand champion koi. So the value of a koi, 
I think in many ways is like the value of a car. When a show quality Koi is with its dealer and then sold to you, is it still show quality? Once you drive that Koi off the lot, things can change. Values drop. Unless you're going the extra miles of making sure that this Koi remains show quality. Are you set up to have show quality fish? Are you? Are you following its feeding regimen? Are you keeping the same water quality? Are you doing what needs to be done to have a show quality koi? Just because you bought it as a show doesn't mean it's going to stay show. Just because it's show quality today does not mean it's show quality tomorrow unless you're keeping it show quality and treating it like a show quality, which takes time, work, and effort to keep a fish at that level. If you bring one home, show quality, for bragging rights, and just put it in your pond without doing what's necessary to keep it at show quality, then your fish is no longer a show quality fish. It's now premium. It's now grade A. Maybe it's triple A, whatever. And the dealer who charged you six grand for that fish would now maybe offer you a thousand bucks to take it back, right? So it's tricky. It's tricky. Value is highly subjective. How much your koi is worth is highly subjective. So let's recap real quick a little bit. The value of a koi, like we've talked about, is determined by many factors. A koi is not valuable simply based on the merit of being a koi. The condition of a koi matters, of course. Any koi, any variety, any grade should be in good condition. Bloodlines matter. If you have a valuable koi, you know where it came from and who the parent stock were, just like show dogs, show cats, and all of that. If you're dropping thousands of dollars on a koi, make sure there's some bloodline certification with that price tag. You need to know who the breeder is if you want your koi to have and hold value. Whipping out a birth certificate for your koi adds to the value. A koi from Dainichi is worth more than a koi from your neighbor Fred's backyard. Size matters. A 10-inch grade-A Showa will simply cost less than a 20-inch grade-A Showa. Size matters. Variety matters. A show-quality 24-inch Kohaku will always be worth more than a show-quality 24-inch Chagoy. The classic Gosanke Trinity of Showa, Sanke, and Kohaku will be more valuable than other varieties. It's just how it is right now. Could it change? Maybe. Will it change? I don't think so. This gets into tradition. So it goes pretty deep, and those things aren't going to change too quick. So variety matters. Grading matters. Show quality will be more valuable than grade C. And remember, grading is highly subjective. Even the wording changes from dealer to dealer. Show quality, select quality, choice quality, pond quality, grade A, B, C, double A, double B, double C, et cetera. I think you guys get it. Just because a vat at a garden center says grade A does not necessarily mean they are grade A. A truly graded koi, an accurately graded koi, is going to come from breeders and experts. You're not going to find show quality koi at a garden center down on the highway or from your neighbor's backyard. Ain't going to happen. Where they come from and who's selling them matters. Buying koi from your next door neighbor is going to be considerably cheaper, like way cheaper, or at least it should be, than buying from a koi farm or a breeder or even a retailer. You know, if your neighbor Fred is selling koi out of his backyard, um, he shouldn't be charging as much as a retailer 
For all the factors we talked about before, retailers are professionals with overhead. This is their living, right? They need to charge more for their fish. Fred is just pulling them out of his backyard. He's not doing anything special. Uh, so he should not be asking retail pricing and you should not be paying it or you're a sucker. If a pond keeper is selling his koi out of his backyard pond at retail, he's got to get a grip. Retailers can charge more because of their, their professional and, and it's financially risky along with the overhead of keeping a business open. So sorry, buddy. If you're that guy trying to sell fish out of his backyard pond, keep your dreams out of cashing out limited to a daydream or finding the right sucker. And that's not cool. Anyway, in a nutshell, a koi is worth what the buyer is willing to pay for it. The value is completely subjective. Do you think the koi collector who paid $2.2 million for his koi can turn around and sell it for $2.2 million? Hell no. An hour later, it was not worth $2.2 million. It went down. He'd be lucky to get half of that. Is the $20 koi from PetSmart worth $20? Bucks? Hell no. Try $3. Is that backyard nondescript mongrel koi collection worth $1,500? Hell no. But that's according to me. Maybe you'd happily pay those prices. And that is why it's subjective. What's most important from all of this is simply that your koi are bringing you happiness. Beauty is in the eye of the beholder. And many times, so is the value. The value of any koi is simply what the owner of that koi is willing to part with. It's the amount that you impose on it. If you won't part with a particular koi for less than 100 bucks, then it's worth 100 bucks to you. I think most of you who are listening, you're not really in this amazing hobby and lifestyle for the money or the prospect of cashing out on your koi someday. If from listening to this podcast, you found out the koi that you wanted to sell so you could book that tropical vacation may not even be worth a bag of koi food. I apologize, but let's be real about it. Why did any of us get into this? It was never about the money when we fell in love with koi. We're in this because it brings us happiness. That's what it's about. Don't they make you happy? Has a koi ever made you upset? Don't koi just bring a smile to the faces of old and young alike, man and woman, regardless of who you are or where you come from. Koi peeping make koi keeping <laughs> makes people happier. And it's a happiness that we can share. We can share it with our family, friends, and community. And you can't put a price on that. That is literally priceless. That is how much your koi are worth. Happiness. Thanks for listening, everybody, and sticking around. I'm honored to have had this time with you and had you with me for this broadcast and hope that how much your koi is worth is an easier topic to comprehend. Sometimes prices for koi just don't make sense. Sometimes they make perfect sense. The more informed you are, the better your purchases will be and the more value you will get. And if I contributed in any way, well, I'm happy to have done so. If I've contributed to you, maybe you could help me out. Leave me a review or a rating on iTunes. Huh? It would be appreciated. My name is Mike Gannon. The show is a Pond Hunter radio broadcast. You can find more Pond Hunter on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. So please come by and say, hey, I'll catch you guys on the next broadcast. You 
coy-loving, crazy, aquatically obsessed freak jobs. Until then, be healthy in mind and spirit. Be happy. Share your passion of koi and pond keeping, the lifestyle with those that you love and those that you are just meeting. Every time, if you can, share it with those you love. Life goes by too fast. And share the incredible lifestyle and hobby of pond keeping that you are truly blessed with every one of you that you can. Pond keeping changes hearts and minds and can change the world. Now that's something to ponder. So keep it pondy, everybody. And I'll catch you next time on the Pond Hunter Radio broadcast. Take good care. You have been listening to the Pond Hunter Radio broadcast on Blog Talk Radio with your host, Mike Gannon, the Pond Hunter. In the pursuit of all things aquatic, broadcasting Wednesday nights on Blog Talk Radio. The Pond Hunter, keeping it pondy for the aquatically obsessed. That's right, everybody. We'll see you next time. Thanks for tuning in. Have a good one. Peace out.